Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to We Say Things, episode 152, Sunshine here with Cinder, and this episode is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped. Gentlemen, Father's Day is just around the corner, and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all the father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. Manscaped's <laughs> Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. I actually do have a few... Uh, this is just a personal note. This isn't part of the blurb. A few white hairs in my nether regions now, Cinderin, just so you know. Oh, thank uh, you. That's uh, good This to know. right here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with his exclusive offer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WESAYTHINGS at manscaped.com. Trust me, his dad bod will thank you. Thank you, Manscaped, for the excellent blurb. Uh, I use their products, Cinder, and so do you. I would say, I mean, it's too bad they don't use, they don't have a product for your your head hair because you did just get a haircut. That's good to see. But that's true. Did you also reciprocate? That's not the right word. Did you mirror it by giving yourself a haircut in the nether regions? Uh, not the same day, no, Shannon. But I, oh. I do shave. I do. Um, wow. And I do not have any white hairs, but I'm sure it'll come when I'm as old as you. That's right. Wait, One day. I'm, I'm quite old and decrepit. But remember... Shannon, how old are you? Say it. 30... How old am I? 36. <laughs> when you get old, you start to forget how old you are because you don't want to remember anymore. But to remember this, you can go to manscaped.com and put in the We Say Things promo to get 20% put off. Put in your birthday and it will say how old you are. Yes. You could do that too. Okay. Very good. Thank you to Manscaped. And also thank you to our amazing patrons... Uh, from the In Bruges tier, uh, I'll start. Thank you to Mundra Britter. Sorry, I definitely butchered that one. Oh, uh, Mundra Britter. He's uh, the guy who made the um, the ogre picture of us. Oh, the double ogre. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your money and thank you for your great artwork. Uh, Loy Nihader. And he did, New Hill, uh, yes. he did include a bunch of stuff after that, which I deleted and will not repeat. Just so you know, please delete that name. If you are eco-conscious and want a good chair for cheaper, check manu- remanufactured chairs from BTOD or Crandall, not an ad. Thank you. I cover my ears during scary moments, too. Oscar Seeker. Vovalicious, big, shiny Bulgarian balls is what you need to play rank these days. Just ima- I mean, if, if I left that in, imagine how bad the name prior to that was uh, that I took out. Roundy 3. No, but seriously, Dota can have way more active players than it currently does, and it's a shame that Valve doesn't do it justice. Disco Farm D. What sound does my lovemaking make? When there's no one around to hear, stooge, simple, stooge, stoggy, no, no, I said I'm not D. I still, does anybody, 
I usually don't do this. If you guys understand this reference, please post it in the YouTube comments because I have no fucking idea what I'm reading. Also, thank you to Hakuna Matata lives in Chandler Gilbert. Just saying. Commander Donut, Chakar still an asshole. Milan, Miami, the Megapope, and episode 200 in New Zealand, TI in New Zealand. This is Cinderin's turn now. Yes, sorry, I was just, uh, never mind. Okay, uh, Zan Xavier, Nate Thicko, 01 Hamscroats, Bacon, Shark TM, Freshly Seasoned Goat Balls, Janie, Dop, Nothing to See Here, Underscore Man, Guitar Strings recommends to play Northguard. It's an RTS. It doesn't say not an ad, but we're assuming that that's genuine. <laughs> Je suis ouvrement. Can we get Seb on the podcast? Maybe. Ben Broomhead needs to change his Patreon name. Pitch Black, Wooden Aftertaste, Anonymous, and Peter. Victorian party people unrolled mummies for fun. Niebling. Why is everything about Victorian age now? It's about mummies. I think that's three in a row. Yeah, or yeah. mummies. That's true. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. If you guys also want to show some patronage for the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com slash we say things. Uh, and obviously the names that we read out are only the highest tier for, called the in Bruges tier. But there's lower tiers if you want to chip in and want to get some of the small perks that come with that. So thanks, guys. Thank you for so much. supporting us. And as you Along guys with Manscaped. Know... Yes, thank you to both. Uh, as you guys know, a uh, big patch came out today, which we will talk about. But first, I have a Suns fan does not recommend slash rant for the newest Harry Potter Fantastic Beast film. I came in with very low expectations, and by God, it was so much worse than I could have ever imagined. What a heaping pile of fucking shit. They're taking such good IP and just wiping their dirty, disgusting anus after a long day at the gym, in the jungle, somewhere humid, whatever. They fucking, they're ruining this IP. It's so bad. How does anybody like this movie? Why does this... It, I, what is it called again? Fantastic Beasts 3? I don't know. It's the is third it one. Now? Whatever. It's just like Dumbledore's Dark Secret. My God, dude. What? Dumble. I wish I wrote notes, but I, I feel like I've blocked out most of this movie because it was so fucking bad. The acting is atrocious. The dialogue is atrocious. The entire story is uninteresting. And it's weird that in So for those that don't, I'm not going to spoil anything. Not that it matters because this movie spoils itself, but it's taken part in like, I want to say 50 years, let's say before, maybe more than that, actually. 50, let's say 70 years before harry potter takes place okay that's just a ballpark so it's like in the 20s or something 1920s so for some reason like they have less technology back then which is fine obviously that's how the world works yet more magic exists than in harry potter 70 years later there's way more magic displayed way more powerful like everything it's nothing connects at all nothing connects and I have one small rant that I don't know if this would this spoil it. Is this a spoiler? Hmm. <clears throat> I'm going to say it's not a spoiler. So you know how some movies and a lot of times they're like really shit movies that do this where there's like a scene at the end, like the culmination of the entire movie. And it feels like people are just standing there watching. Mm -hmm. And a villain, let's say, is there. He's standing. He's like watching things happen. He could do something about it, but he's just going to watch. 
and they're just having like this dialogue back and forth. It's so fucking cringe. It bothers me that a movie that has spent this much money like for production can have such terrible writing. And if this writing was done by uh, J.K. Rowling, then she's done. GG. Just absolutely awful. So don't watch this movie. It sucks. If you like it, you're wrong. Cinder, <laughs> <laughs> don't watch this series, okay? It, I think I watched the first one, and it was all right. See, the problem uh, is they're, the, the characters they focus on to start is like the guy that has all the Fantastic Beasts. Maybe I watched both, actually. Very uninteresting. The fact that I don't remember is kind of telling, isn't it? Yes. It's a very uninteresting main character, and they're trying to make him more of a side character. Oh, let's bring in Dumbledore. Let's have him, you know, deal with uh, the other guy. I can't remember his name. The the villain that he... I don't want to spoil anything. It's terrible. It was supposed to be Johnny Depp as well, but obviously because of his trial and all that stuff, they had to get somebody else. Uh, I actually do like that actor that they got, but terrible movie. And that is my rant. So thank you for joining us. All right. Us. So you've watched all three, right? Yeah. All right. Give me uh, give me your best guess on the IMDb ratings for all three. For critics or users? Users. Uh, users. users. Uh, I have no faith in anybody, so I'm going to say 80%, 70%, 70%. Okay. So the first one was 7.2. Oh, that's IMDb. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. Oh. That's 72% then, right? Okay. So 7.2, the second one was 6.5, and the third one was 6.3. Okay. Which, considering the fact that it's the IP you talked about, is a pretty bad score, right? When it's like these big fandoms that have a lot of people that just love everything that comes out of it, I would say anything below an 8 is actually pretty disappointing. <laughs> so... Yeah, and I uh, I can't talk about the it's scale not of IMDb, but Rotten Tomatoes, I remember the critics. Uh, I can't actually remember now that I think about it. Don't care. We'll never Google this again. Uh, let's begin the actual episode. Does so, Rotten Tomatoes uh, do user or yes, is it only? They do both. It, it does. How big is the user base for something like this? I don't know. That That's the thing about IMDb that I like about their ratings is that there's so many ratings, right? Mm. It's like really... It's really descriptive of the population, which also means that, you know, people that don't watch a lot of movies or only watch select movies will also vote there. I think Rotten Tomatoes is a little bit more for, like, more hardcore movie watchers, if that makes sense. It's probably so true. So it's, it's a little bit more misleading for population's like sake, but it's probably says, more precise for movie enjoyers. Right, right? and generally the tomato meter <laughs> is the critics, which doesn't mean jack shit to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so... We have a big patch. Well, depends on your perspective, I guess. We have a patch that came out today, which the remainder of the episode will be about. We will actually switch screens. You can see Manscaped is going to be on the bottom left today. production value. And me and Sindarin are definitely the same size boxes. I measured very precisely. Don't look into it. <coughs> so, Battleport Report... Battle Report Update. Uh, today's update commandeers the seasonal dota plus refresh and takes the chance to unveil even more dig into the details of your performance across all your matches last season with battle report i'm not going to read all this so what we're going to do is kind of break this up into sections i'm we're just going to scroll okay mm-hmm. and we're going to talk okay. about what the features do if we like them have you how much of mm-hmm. this patch have you tried because you, you're probably uh, i haven't played out. but i read all of it okay so first and foremost is that battle report 
So it's kind of like this culmination of the season. It keeps track of uh, specific things like how many times you played a specific hero, what type of roles you play, the win rates, you know, a bunch of statistics. And I think it gives you these medals based on how, I guess, you compare to other people is my guess. I didn't read every detail. Probably should have. You said you read every detail, so is that true? Uh, I believe every hero you check, it will show you like... Compared to other players at your skill level. All right, thanks for joining us, Cinderin. Uh, yes, that's what it says right there on the text. I know. Well, I, I'm talking at the same time, so it's hard to read and talk. Okay. Thank you. I'm just uh, opening a random hero in Dota right now. Where do I find this? Yeah, it's kind of it's at the top right. So New Dota report. Plus. I thought you said you you looked at this already. Yeah, but I haven't started the client since I downloaded the patch. Okay. So it has your featured stats, uh, some highlights. Uh, my win rate with Dire was unbelievably bad compared to my Radiant, which was interesting to see. Um more deep analysis and it's like they went pretty ham on this i'm not gonna lie I, this is one of the cooler features they've ever come out with uh, you can add extra columns to customize like what little details you want to see um, a lot of filters for that as well and you earn battle shards or whatever the hell they're called dota plus shards for just taking part in this uh, so it's a, it's a nice little summary like this one was between march and june and obviously the next season, who knows how that's... Like, I don't know how they designate what the season is. Is that just the Dota Plus season? Which... Uh, I feel like the Dota Plus season has run for more than four months. Yeah. But maybe they're going to streamline it now, so it's four times a year. Right. Every quarter. Uh, so that yeah. makes sense. Uh, I, I thought this was a cool feature. It's, as far as I know, only for Dota Plus. I don't know if you get like a basic report if you're not part of Dota Plus, but I think it is specifically for it the battle report is available exclusively for dota plus members there you go you read at it. the beginning of every new dota plus season all dota plus members automatically receive a new battle report detailing all of their in-game adventures from the previous season okay there you, go. there you go so what do you think of this we're gonna do one by one here uh so starting with the featured stats no just the whole battle report oh the whole the whole report yeah yeah, so I just I just booted the game and and opened my battle report. Um, I mean, I'm, I think it's pretty cool, right? Like, there's I think there's a subset of players that will be really interested in this, and then there's a large portion of players that are like, okay, cool, free shards. Uh, and then there's most people are probably somewhere in between, right? Where they're like, oh, nice, I got some shards, and then I can see some stats about what I do. Oh, I didn't realize I'm that good with this hero, or you know, it can probably help people perhaps learn something about themselves as players. Like maybe people have a different perspective of how good they are at a role or how good they are at a specific hero than they really are. Um, and again, the fact that it compares you to people, your skill level is what's important here. Because if it compared you to population, it would be way less meaningful. Mm. Um, so I think it's pretty cool. Like you're going to see where your strengths lie, where your outliers are, at least if you play enough, right? That's always what this kind of thing is going to depend on is how big is your sample size. You need at least a few hundred games, I think, before it's like really accurate. Um, or you can probably do with 100 or 200 if you play literally only one role almost all the time, or if you play a few heroes almost all the time, then it's still going to be relatively accurate. Um, 
Sam, I mean, I think it's really cool. Whoever sat down and did this, this has been probably been quite a lot of work yeah. to, and to we've, implement. We've been talking about how Dota Plus has nothing that really matters that mm. much aside from like, I mean, really, it's the progression of each hero, right? Like getting yeah. that level 25 or that 30. That's pretty much it. Uh, but this, I think this is very good. This was a yeah. nice surprise. Uh, so Yeah, happy. nobody expected this. That's very yeah. true. All right, next feature is the Weekend Spotlight. This is very cool. So, of course, some people are going to be listening only via audio, so I'll try to explain it if you haven't seen it in the game yet. But essentially, when you queue up for a game in the bottom right, it's like unranked, all pick, turbo mode, and then there's a little section that says Weekend Spotlight. And we'll, I think for now, it's only going to pick between Ability Draft, uh, Random Draft, Single Draft, like all those other modes. And you get extra shards if you play. And it's for a limited time. So right now, between June 8th and 13th, the weekend spotlight is Ability Draft, which is really cool. I know that there's a Valve dev, I forget his name, but he works with the Ability Draft people from time to time, like or at least he's in contact with them, mm -hmm. uh, because he's been fixing a lot of the bugs, and he plays it, apparently, I assume at least. So it's nice to see some love for Ability Draft. Obviously, we... Uh, they were sponsoring our podcast in January for their tournament or December. Yep. And we talked about how it's a really cool mode. So now this is even more exposure, uh, giving people shards to play. I think that's a very cool feature. It's a really good idea because I think a lot of people don't really explore what the game has to offer in terms of game modes, right? Like, it's easy for us to remember because we've played, like, basically everything, right? We've played Ability Draft, we've played ARDM, we've played SD, all these modes that are there. I'm sure you're going to explore SD if you're an asshole because then you get in lower priority and that's what they play there, right? Yep, true. Um, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, yeah, this is a great way of encouraging people to check out more of what the game has in store for you instead of just playing the same stuff every time. So I think it's a great idea. Also, something that I noticed here that was really interesting, it says the second weekend spotlight arrives June 16 to 20 to introduce Overthrow Trios, a fast-paced update of the original version. I wonder if Valve are going to use this as like a testing ground for uh, potential game modes, or if, if that's just a one-off. Like, they're going to upgrade uh, Overthrow, and it's going to go in there. Uh, or if this is going to be a really good way for them to if they have an idea that they want to put in the game, but they aren't sure how good it is, how well-received it will be, and it, mm -hmm. it's kind of a... It's an easy way to get people to try your stuff and then get some feedback out of that before you implement it fully, right? Um, potentially, See, if you wanted to make like I was a, thinking a, more, a real event. I was thinking more selfishly that this would be great for our upcoming custom game if Valve yep. wants to put it on the front page of Dota, that would be fucking cool. So I was actually yep, thinking that's very it, true because Overthrow is a mod. It's a custom game. Mm -hmm. Like Ability Draft is an actual mode in the game, so that that one's not like crazy or anything. Mm -hmm. But Overthrow that is a literal mod, so that's really cool that they have the capability of doing that. Now the question is, would they want to do that for a third party? Which I would be right. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think it probably would have to connect with their like pass system, which I don't even know what the restrictions and all the criteria that I need to follow to actually get into that. But that would be very cool to have something like that as an option to uh, give some more exposure to not just our game, but just custom games. How in would you, how would valve would, how would you choose what custom game to show in rotating game modes without being partial as valve? Like, how do you do that? 
is it whatever is played the most? Because then you're also fighting against bots just trying to inflate the game numbers, right? Uh, I is think it... if, I mean, if I was Valve, I would filter it first by, so for the, like, you know how the game pass works kind of, there's like a, mm, there's, not really, there's like a custom game pass. It's literally mm-hmm. called pass and it's like 99 cents and only certain mods get, get it because Valve has to like vet it essentially like, okay, mm-hmm. like, you know, a lot of mods have these monetization things that like, whether it be Patreon or battle pass for themselves, but this one's like officially it goes through Valve. So Valve keeps a cut and the players get something in return, but it's like a dollar a month. So like auto chess has it. There's only a handful of mods that have it. So I think that would be, that's the reason I mentioned that because I know that this is like something I'm going to apply for, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want it uh, because 99 cents is nothing. Like I would ask for the same as like a Twitch sub four 99, which I don't know if they're even be willing to do, but if I was valve, I would, you know, that'd be the first vetting process is they have to have a pass and then they probably need to apply. Right. Maybe they're not interested (laughs) for some reason. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. Cause a lot of the custom games are a little sketch depending on, uh, especially a lot of the Chinese ones. Cause a lot of them are like pay to win. So I don't know. Mm. I, I don't know how they feel about that. All right. Next feature is the unlocked immortal special effects. So this is something I have been wanting for a very, very long time. It's actually just a little blurb here, which I will read. It doesn't actually tell you how to do it, but I can kind of illustrate how it's done. Uh, immortal power demands ultimate choice. Your immortal item spell effects can now be equipped regardless of which item your hero is wearing. Want to earn finger of death kills with the Hellspar Anathema effect while wearing the Abyssal Hellclaw claw, Crab Claw? Wow, that's a hard one. Abyssal Hellclaw Crab Claw on Lion instead? No problem. Mix and match your effects with any item you have. The choice is yours. So... When you're in your loadout in Dota 2, uh, like looking at your cosmetics, next to the abilities, you'll notice like a little down arrow if there's a an effect for it. So you can change the effect and it won't change the cosmetic. It's This is so fucking good for being able to mix and match because a lot of times like I think one reason they probably did this other than it being a nice quality of life thing is immortals have kind of like ruined the market. Because if, let's say an Immortal comes out for my favorite hero, Pudge or whatever, you're probably, okay, probably just a bad example because there's a million of them. Like, mm-hmm. whatever hero, you're going to use the Immortal pretty much no matter what, even if you don't like the way it looks, right? Because it has a special effect. So now yeah. you can use a cosmetic that doesn't have a special effect because third-party people like us or whoever is submitting sets, they're not going to get special effects on their stuff. So nobody's using their sets anymore. Now you can use those sets and still use the immortal effects. So it gives you the best of both worlds. And I think it's really awesome. Like an example of one that I did, which like, not that I care that much about cosmetics, but like the, you know, the lifestealer helm that's golden and there's a purple version as well. Like, it feels like you have to use the gold version, but I actually don't like it that much, but you use the golden version as the cosmetic because it looks cool and looks you stand out. And then when you rage, it turns purple, which actually makes it more stand out if you think about it. It's like the 
the non-golden version of it. So, mm. yeah. I don't know if you care about cosmetic Cinderin. I know you I don't. Do. You don't at all. You, I do. You don't give a shit about anything. I, I, I like my heroes looking good, uh, but I like them looking good in a different way than you do. But what I will say about this is, I think this is probably, I would say just from what I've gathered, mainly from reading what people were excited about on Reddit, I think this is the most universally celebrated part of the patch, actually, this change. Because mm -hmm. like most people that will go to a forum like Reddit are somewhat invested in the game, right? Like It's for the minority of people that care about the game the most, whether it's playing it or watching it pro or whatever. Uh, and this seemed like one of the things that people really responded to very positively because there's like no downsides, right? Mm. It's literally just, hey, uh, you guys who have invested into this game, now you can customize however you like and make your heroes yours in a different way, which is cool. So I think this is just like a really, like so far everything we've gone through with the battle report and this is just flat out, everything is just a plus, right? It's just better Dota than plus. what we had before. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah I, yeah, I like the idea that it it kind of takes the old, if you guys remember the gem system, I thought that was mm -hmm. always kind of convoluted and kind of hard to understand. Uh, and this one is just a mega, mega dumbed down version of it. And you don't have these people that are hoarding these like $50,000 rare items as a result. So I agree. It's very good. Uh, next is the clip builder a new feature inside dota so if you're in like a dota tv game you have a little option on the bottom left of the ui to clip something and you can share it you can uh save it to your your hard drive it goes up to 90 fps this another this is another feature that came out of nowhere yep is, was anybody asking for this? Am I, I maybe I've been away from the scene for too long, like from YouTube I stuff. I don't remember this being very requested. Yeah, so I mean, I played around with it. The UI is a little funky. I thought it was maybe not. I mean, once you get used to it, it's probably easy. But I mean, it works. It's cool. I, I mean, I wouldn't find use for this personally. But maybe this makes video editors' jobs a little bit easier. I can imagine that definitely being the case. So that's really cool. Um, <clears throat> I think it's also a great way for people to... You know, when people watch a stream or whatever and they make a Twitch clip out of a funny moment that a player experienced in a game from a stream, mm. uh, you just do that with your own games now, right? Like you just literally generate a clip from something funny you did in your game that lasts 30 seconds and you can share it with your friends. Where in the past, you would have to... Uh, use local video editing software and then upload and like there's just a lot of steps that you're just skipping right because all the functionality is just in the game um unless i'm misunderstanding this right you literally just take any replay you open it you record the thing that was funny and then you can share it with your friends it's just really good right yeah i mean the um, i guess the solid. i said share but it's not really you're not really sharing it's it's just it's saving the video to your computer uh like, I don't know if there's a way to make, like, a GIF. You know what I mean? Oh, wait. Okay, actually okay. share it through, like, a copy link or something They're like that. They're not using server space on this. Okay, I actually thought they were. No. I thought it was going to give you a way of sharing the link to your friends. But you're right. It says you save, you export video. Okay, then it's, then it's less cool, but it's still nice. <laughs> yeah, like, it's I not actually like this thought is a... it was going to be... 
It's not like this is a negative. Look. There's no way you can look at this no, as a negative. No, absolutely not. It ca again, but yeah, it I, came out of nowhere. Maybe. I guess if you do 90 FPS and you would use server space on this, this would actually take up a shitload of storage space. Yeah. I mean, Twitch does have it. That's why I thought perhaps this was something that Valve servers could lift mm. if people were going to start making clips in Dota. Like, Twitch's clips section has to be enormous storage space, if you think about it. Um, Did you notice well, that also whoever, bots, whoever right? made this screenshot has the minimap on the bottom right? What the fuck, Valve? Valve well, some people do. I think Insania has the minimap what bottom the, right. Oh my goodness. Hideous. <clears> There's <throat> a couple hideous. of people that have that. Ugh, it's so unnatural. Maybe he's left-handed. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay, you said that was the most celebrated feature, the uh, spell effect thing. I, okay, I, I'm I mean, disagree. we'll see, we'll see. Uh, okay. Avoid players have been improved. Number one, you can add little notes, which I don't know if, you, I mean, obviously you remember as well. You used to use a ban list in Dota 1? Mm-hmm. And I, I actually have a screenshot that has some unsavory words on it, but I had like hundreds of people in Dota 1 on my, it's like a third-party program you'd use, a ban list, and it would have little notes on it saying, this guy's a piece of fucking garbage, stuff like that is great. So you just remember why you avoided them, because, you know, you're not going to remember these names. So now you can do that, which is great. And in addition, you can spend shards to expand the amount that you have total. That's fucking cool. Each time you hit it, it will increase the amount that you need to buy another one. Mm -hmm. So it keeps increasing each time. Based on this screenshot, I haven't looked in game, but 35,000 shards for five additional slots. And then after that, I think it's every single one slot will cost 10,000 more or something like that. Yeah, it, it gets really expensive really fast. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think, first of all, giving people this option, this is a great, like, shard sink, right? It's finally something that people can just dump their shards into if they don't care about the relics. Um, this, this feature is... I think it's less good the higher up the ladder you get, because... Ideally speaking, you want to have as large a player pool there as possible for the algorithm to find good matches. Mm. And if people start avoiding each other left, right, and center because they have more avoid slots, it becomes harder and harder to find good balanced games. So I'm a little bit worried about how much this is going to impact the, the top of the ladder. Um, all the way from, like, I don't know, I think from even Divine and below, I think it's not really going to be noticeable because the player pool is big enough, so you can just keep avoiding people that you don't like or people that play the same role as you that you seem to get matched with all the time you don't want to play with, whatever whatever your reasons are. Um, so obviously this is something a lot of people are going to like. Now, what I am thinking, Shannon, is since you can write notes on people, are Valve secretly going to use those notes to affect your behavior score? No, I doubt it. If you just start... <laughs> You're, like, you're putting people in your avoid list and you're just writing the absolute worst profanities you can imagine or absolute worst insults for them so you remember yourself. Oh, man, wouldn't that be something? I mean, that's a good way to get banned on Twitch if you just scroll through do you, it, right? Do you genuinely think that the text written in there is only for you and it's not stored anywhere and it's not, like... I mean, I, I just don't see a reason. I for feel them like to do they it. would definitely study what people write about other players, right? 
in their mm-hmm. avoid player list. Eh, maybe. I mean, I, I guess, why does it matter? You have the chat log from the games, right? That should be enough, too. <laughs> that, that's where the real toxic shit happens, right? But um, yeah, this, this is a great feature. Happy to have it. Yeah. I've had... Uh, Are you going to expand it? I don't I I actually looked. I don't even have mine filled up. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have a lot of shards to spend. I think people spend. potentially overestimate this. And I think the people that use this the most, like this is just a gut feel. On average, I think people that use avoid the most are the most toxic themselves. Mm. So it's kind of a, how to say, it's kind of a self-enforcing system where toxic players are going to avoid more people and therefore they're going to find less games. It's actually kind of genius when you think about it. Well, but then they're going to get into a queue where they shouldn't be in. A much, much more mismatched game. See, I, I would prefer, like, the avoid player thing is nice, and it, it's more peace of mind than anything else. But I would prefer not, like, having a smurf list. If somebody's a smurf, I just put, like, if they're not going to ban them, which they don't, uh, I want to not be able to play against them. I care less about yes. people I'm avoiding on my team. I want to avoid people on the other team because they're smurfing but then that is abusable that's like somebody's just good problem but i don't know that's see i wouldn't abuse it cinder (laughs) imagine that feature in high mmr and everybody's just avoiding the rank one guy (laughs) so he never gets a game yeah that's true nobody wants to play against that guy that would be pretty funny actually that would be a funny experiment let's do that for for a day valve and see what happens you can avoid opponents. In a perfect world where people didn't <laughs> misuse features, that would be great. But Absolutely. That world. But that is uh, that's right. never how it's going to work. Also available uh, are killstreak effects, which I actually did test these out. So it's the thing. It's the avatar. I thought it was like the double kill, triple kill thing. That thing doesn't change. So this is the the actual... So your hero portrait at the top of the screen the border around it will change mm-hmm. so for 150,000 shards you can get fire ice or gold and i thought the i thought the frost one was the worst i mean this is just subjective uh, but they're Did all you the buy same all price of them, no, no no i just you can test them out in the game oh okay i thought fire was probably the best gold second but i mean it's cool that you have more stuff to spend on very happy for that quite expensive mm-hmm. but i mean i have like 750k right now ready to spend so maybe i'll sure so i have i have thirty three thousand. that's not enough cinder but shannon do you know why i have that why that's because i'm trying to get every relic in the game so i spend my shards all the time well that's your problem that wouldn't that be cool to have a full collection of every relic i feel like very few people are gonna have that interesting that you care about that cinder it's a very uh I mean, I don't care that much, but it's a good way to use shards. Very you know? egotistical of you to show off your inventory and all that shit. You're going to make a Twitter post? Your yearly I annual Twitter every... post? Yeah. If I get, when I unlock every relic, you bet your ass I'm going to tweet it. <laughs> and everyone's going to love it. How far away are you? And it will go viral. Uh, I don't know. I'm like halfway. It's insane how many shards you need yeah, to get all relics. You're not going to get there. Really Sorry. Crazy. I mean, I'm getting more unlocked than the rates they release heroes at. So if this keeps up, then eventually. Okay, they came out with a seasonal treasure, which we won't really talk about. Uh, just the generic sets. Nothing special, I don't think. Uh, I guess we should mention that it's eligible to non-Dota Plus members. 
that's kind of a topic of this what patch. Is? Uh, the treasure. The treasure itself. Okay. Yeah. So the treasure. There's a couple. There's one or two other things. I don't remember which ones uh, that are also eligible to non-Dota Plus users. So they're trying to add some more functionality uh, that was strictly tied to Dota Plus to non-users, and then it's like the free version, and then the actual like fully fledged out version with like over level five relics and or over level five heroes and stuff, right? Um, but it's nice that they're just spreading some of the nice functionality around to non-plus members as well. So that's good. Yep, seasonal sets to go along with it. Uh, relics can now be purchased yeah, by all another players, one. like you said. So kind of a connection there. But you still can't get past level five on heroes. Yeah. But it's kind of like one of those little teasers. They want you to entice you in, pay us for the year or the month even. And then... Obviously, the seasonal refresh of all the quests, nothing new, guild rewards, blah, blah, blah. And then we come to the gameplay update, 7.31D. So you take me... Oh, obviously, the biggest thing, uh, Marcy is finally in captain's mode. My God. I feel like they're probably pretty close to putting in primal... I don't know why this took so long for Marcy to get in. It's weird. (sighs) I don't know. I think they wanted a lot of data on the hero. I think it's a very polarizing hero. Um, and I, I think it's going to be rated pretty high in Pro Dota. We'll see. Uh, it, it got a couple of changes that we'll get to later. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it should have been in CM quite a while ago. Like previous heroes that they implemented all got into CM faster than this. I think Marcy has been unavailable in CM for the longest time out of any new release that I can remember in Dota 2's history. So Dota 2's history, yeah. Do you remember that uh, one? Dota, Dota 1, 1, I think some heroes were not in CM ever. Do you actually. remember a Dota 1 hero that was not in CM for, I want to say, over four years? Marcy hasn't been out for four years. <sighs> you just said it's the longest in Dota 2. I'm asking you, do you remember in Dota 1 a hero that didn't make into CM for over four years, to my memory at least? Oh, there was one that did, is what you're this saying. This is a trivia, yes. Uh, huh. It was. I can give you some hints that won't really give away okay. too much. It was uh, a hero with a lot of abuses, which is, and probably I would imagine Warcraft Three wouldn't allow you to fix the abuses that easily. So this hero did not make it into Captain's mode for an extraordinarily long period of time. I actually have no idea. Are you ready for the answer? Mm-hmm. Io. Really, Io wasn't in CM. This is uh, eventually she was. It took years. Maybe I'm exaggerating with oh. over four years, but it was multiple years. Somebody can fact check me on that one. I'm pretty confident. That, that's why Dota One was king because they didn't add Io to CM. What a mistake that was. Yeah. That hero has been something forever. Indeed. Uh, okay. I'll try to... I don't know. How do you want to go about this? Do you want to read out all the changes? No, or do you want me to no. highlight some things we'll highlight that I think stuff. are interesting? Or... Yeah, okay. we'll highlight. And you highlight what you think is interesting. We'll just go top to bottom. Okay. Yep. So Marcy and CM, uh, a little bit of a fix here to Shadow Shaman primarily on Roche. Roshan attacks wards if there's no units within melee range, and Roshan will destroy any ward-type unit immediately, so it takes one hit. So Shaman can't solo Roche anymore, essentially. Oh, if you have somebody um, to tank it, you know. Yeah, then he's not soloing it. Yeah, true. 
Seder Mindstealer loses some mana uh, region on the aura. I am mentioning that because I still think this creep is insane, uh, even after this nerf, but it was definitely needed. Uh, just as a bit of a reminder, this creep used to give 2.5 mana region and the mana burn ability, which it still has. So effectively, if you're Doom or if you're Ench or you're Chen and you get this creep early, you can totally offset the or change the mana dynamic of any lane you're in. It's very powerful. Um, bit of a change, I think, Null Talisman. I, I guess Bracer, we can mention quickly, a bit of a region nerf. Null Talisman, big change, no longer grants mana cost reduction, now it grants max mana. So this is a huge nerf to a hero like Storm. Thank God. Um, it is also, I would say overall, just in general, most heroes that bought Nulls, this is a nerf. And the way they compensate is by giving it plus 0.15 mana regen, which means all the heroes that didn't care that much about the mana cost reduction, it's actually, I don't know when this math checks out. Like, when is the regen better than the mana cost reduction? Um, the plus 3% max mana is very interesting on OD. So that might be a hero we see some more love now. Mm -hmm. um, Obviously scales with the damage of well, the ult. you have five null talismans, <clears throat> though? <laughs> On OD? Yeah. I could see people buying like three or four, actually, for value. I, I don't think it would be that bad. But I don't know. We'll see. The mono region is irrelevant on the hero, though. I so mean, maybe the it's idea of having five of these in your inventory late game was fucking dumb. So as yeah. long as we don't Storm see like late game shenanigans like that, then yeah. Yeah. Um... Healing Salve, big, big, big change. This was one of the things that people complained about the most in the recent meta was that the way lanes were played was that supports were just buying salves for the cores and babysitting them all the time. So like fives would sometimes end up buying like six salves in the laning stage. Uh, if you use it on an ally now, the duration is halved. And that means effectively, how much does a Healing Salve heal again? I'm remembering the old numbers in my head. So Healing Salve heals 390. Um, which means if you use it on an ally now, it heals 195. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very bad value. It's two healing per gold on allies, uh, even with the cost reduction from 110 to 100. So now lane dynamics are probably going to be more like, okay, cores will buy salves for themselves, and then there will be pooled tangos by the supports. Mm. We'll see how much better that is. Uh, but it's definitely different. And it's going to make it feel more rewarding to dominate the enemy core in lane because they need to dig in their pockets to heal fast. Um, tangos obviously take quite a bit of time to ramp up, so I think lane dominators are going to have more of an impact in side lanes now. Middle is still just going to be the same shit with bottle and water runes, so no changes Do there. Do you think... Uh, I'm not saying they should make this change. Mm. I just want to have a discussion. Mm. What's the mm. reason for them having it and not just removing the ability to salve a teammate? Um, I guess they still want to have the situational uses where, I, I, it's a good question. I mean, I wouldn't have minded that solution either, to be honest, that you can share tangos, but not salve. Um, maybe they felt like it was a little bit too drastic of a change. It's a really big change I to the game when you change region dynamics like this. So. I'm going to be honest. I can think of one instance, and this literally might be the only reason why they didn't do that is because of shovel. Yeah, that's true. Like if you have like five salves because of shovel and they're just, you can't use them on allies mm -hmm. and it's actually just useless most of the that's time. That's true. This is a pretty meaningful nerf to that item as well. I didn't consider that. That is true. Um, yeah, maybe like usually what Valve do with like rather drastic changes like this is that they don't go all the way first, right? 
like sometimes or a lot of the time they will nerf something like that half and then if it's not cool then they'll just remove it after but they'll at least try to do the compromise first a lot of the time um so we'll see uh, i'm very curious how this plays out bkb huge nerf plus 15 second cooldown on all levels thank god um everybody more or less wanted this i think Curious to see how it impacts people's prioritization of this item. In the last meta, we had a lot of first core item BKBs or second core item BKB. Now the payoff of forcing someone to BKB, this is very meaningful. Um, so, big nerf. Uh, what's the next one? Two seconds extra cooldown on Lincolns. Crimson Guard actually got a lot better. This item needed some love. I think the guaranteed damage block went from 70-30 to 75-50. This is a huge anti-zoo item now. That extra 15 damage block is really meaningful. Um, Lincoln's plus two second cooldown, so a little bit of a nerf to that one, which I think is justified. It was getting really, really good. Satanic loses active lifesteal. I think it could even lose more. I personally find this item fundamentally broken. Um, and I think even if it was like 150%, that would be completely fine. But I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, then we have a buff to, let's see, I want to mention Eternal Shroud just because the buffs are this big. So plus 5% magic resist and minus 15 second cooldown is really big for a hero like Leshrac. Mm. Uh, and then you have Bloodstone also getting buffed, which is big for a hero like Leshrac. So I think potentially some of these like spell lifesteal cores uh, like Lesh, like potentially Pudge... <laughs> with Good Eternal one. Shroud. Good one. Um, could get an, a bump up in win rate from this. Centaur, Cinderin. I love this item on Centaur. But Which one? Eternal Shroud? Yeah, but it, it's yeah, griefing sure. because you don't get a pipe for your teams. <laughs> I yeah. just love Spell Lifesteal in general. It's such a yeah. cool mechanic. Oh, I could see it. Centaur's also getting some major buffs. We'll get there. Um, Revenant's Brooch. I, I still can't really place this item, but it's getting a lot of buffs, right? 20 second less cooldown is enormous. It's basically halved. A uh, bit more mana cost. And it no longer consumes an attack when you hit a magic immune target. So... Wait, what does that mean exactly? You can now cast Revenant's Brooch while active to remove all remaining attacks and start the cooldown. Okay. Yeah, we'll I see. Um, don't just this make been... this into Harkin's Blade. Like, why? why? It looks, sounds so complicated, the way it works. Like, just make it Harkin's Blade. Like Which game. is converts your damage into magic damage, right? Yeah, and it's a toggle. It's like uh, <clears throat> it's like having OD or Drow's uh, toggleable ability, but as an item. Okay. Yeah. Han is uh, dying. I, I still, the end I've of the never month. bought this item. Take it. Like, I just don't have a feel for it. I've played against it a couple of times and with it a couple of times, but it's super situational. Yeah, so. I've only seen it once, I think. I think people we, might we, be underrating it. I bit. think we cast a game where somebody bought this, but it was like super late game. It had no impact. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. very rare. Very rare. And then Wraith Pack, this is the one that you wanted. You hate this item. Yeah. I hate is a you. big word, but... A lot of people that we have talked to also despise the concept yeah. of this The item. concept I don't like. I just don't like it. But good news is the skull is 50% bigger, Cinderin. Mm-hmm. It takes I mean, one this less is... attack to destroy. It actually gives 100 gold to kill instead of 20. And a little quality of life. It'll follow the caster by default right away. So like healing ward for Jug. Yeah. 
So my personal gripe with this item, it's good that it gets nerfed. I think it was necessary. You looked at the last tournament at the major, how this item was purchased, what win rates it had uh, based on the timing it was bought and stuff. I feel like an item like this that is just a totem you place on the ground that mitigates damage from the enemy is... I just find it uninteresting design, personally. I feel like it's... It's kind of a... I don't know. I don't know how to explain this really. It just it feels I like the idea that they want to have a totem item, okay? But I just don't think damage reduction totem is what it should be. It should do something else than that if you want to have a totem running around mm -hmm. the fight than just a flat out pulsing haha until you guys kill this totem, you do 30% less damage with everything, which is crazy when you think about it. Like the value of this item, it's no coincidence that this item was bought as much as it was at the major because the trade-off here is ridiculously good okay on Cinderin. almost any hero that buys it right? i just i just thought of an interesting re okay this is just complete bullshit an interesting rework and i'm i'd be interested to know if you like mm -hmm. this concept better even if it keeps the damage reduction aspect okay, okay. instead of a totem wraith pact is activatable and yeah. the aura is on yourself okay but it's only mm -hmm. for like, let's say, eight seconds. And when it's over, your Vlad's breaks like on a cooldown. Like it literally will not work for like, let's say, a minute or whatever the cooldown is. And then okay. it becomes the normal item again. What do you think? Because there's a huge drawback for using it. There's right. a timing that you need to use it. I think that's, that's fucking cool if they did something like that. I like that idea. Uh an idea oh, that I first. pitched, which was obviously ignored, was instead of it being a totem on the ground, I thought this could be a potentially interesting item like Shiva, right? So it's like you activate it and it pulses outward from your hero and then it lasts for a certain amount of time and then it fades. The thing about the totem is it lasts for 25 seconds, right? So if you're unable to break this totem because the fight is taking place around tree line or because your heroes just aren't good at killing it, or because, you know, whatever it is in the fight, the amount of value you get out of this is just ridiculous, right? You kind of have to break it. Mm. If your team doesn't have one and the enemy team does, the damage discrepancy between the two teams is insane. And the only counter to it, except breaking it, is BKB, um, which now got nerfed, right? Even more. So, so you'd, um, you'd activate it and the debuff would hit enemies and apply to them for X amount of time. Exactly. It would come out of your hero like a Shiva's Guard aura, right? It would like ripple outward, and it would give damage reduction for X amount of seconds, and then it would fade. Right. But it's um, BKBable, obviously. Yes. Where yeah. this one is not. Yeah. This is BKBable. If you're BKB'd, Wraith Pack doesn't work on you. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. It's the only counter oh. to the item. Like that is why the item is not Omega broken. Is because when you're BKB'd as a carry, at least you deal your full damage, right? Hmm. But like. It's, yeah, I, I'm not a fan. So I think both of our versions, in my opinion, are better than the current one. I like the idea. You know, I'm a big fan of this, right? I like items and heroes and spells and whatever that have like drawbacks to them where it's like, okay, I get value here, but there's a, there's a, there's a cost, right? I like the idea of spells costing health. I like the idea of spells like Oracle where you get a big benefit and a big downside. You get mad immunity and disarm, you know? I, I think trade-offs like that are just inherently really interesting in games where you need to make a big decision that has big positives and big negatives. And your Wraith Pact idea is really cool. It's like, okay, 
I get this big benefit when I use it. But then if I don't use it well, okay, I lose my Vlads for X amount of time after. So I need to get a big payout when I activate my Pact. And it kind of fits the theme of the item as well, right? It feels like a, it's like a demonic aura, right? Like mm. the, the item's logo and everything. It just fits that you would like tap into it and sacrifice something. So I think that's cool. Um, Thank theoretically you, speaking, that could also be a way of nerfing Satanic, if you think about it. Satanic could give you lifesteal, but then there could be a drawback. Currently, right. Satanic is only a plus, right? So it gives you the first lifesteal during the time frame, and then when it's broken, your actual you lifesteal no life doesn't work anymore for like yeah, 30 seconds. Yeah, something like that would also be really interesting, right? Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I like your race pack idea. It's pretty cool. All right. All right, so tell me what heroes... I mean, I want to talk about Centaur, obviously. Uh, yeah, we can start there. I think it's fine. So Centaur, his stun is much higher duration at level one that's really the big difference it's slightly higher the other levels as well but more so it feels like a one point wonder now which is something i feel like they've been going away from generally but now it's two seconds at level one versus 1.6 before this is i feel like there's no way you get more than one am i crazy it depends if you're playing I think what this opens up for is the good old playstyle with Burst Centaur in lane, right? Like, let's say you're playing Shadow Demon Centaur lane. Oh, yeah, my boy. I think going something like... Depending on how valuable Retaliate is for the lane, you could even bypass that and just get really, really strong spells. Mm. Uh, the Stomp still scales well. It gets 60 damage per level. It gets 0.2 seconds stun, and it loses 2 seconds cooldown. So I still think just putting one point in this and then maxing the other two, which is what people were doing anyway... You can still do that, obviously. It's just better to do that now, right? But I, I do think there's some options for Centaur to play very offensively with the first two spells and just absolutely own. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it's a really big buff. 0.4 second stun might not sound like a lot, but it is a lot on level I mean, one. Is this ever, really was this difference. picked in the last patch at all? I don't remember casting a game not very much. Centaur. But as, as, as is always the case with patches like this, if one hero gets buffed and another gets nerfed, the hero that got buffed got buffed twice, right? Mm. So some of the meta offlaners getting nerfed and Centaur getting buffed is going to give him love 100%. It's just a matter of how big of a pick it's going to be. And it's fine if it's not a huge pick, as long as it feels valuable sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, pretty major nerfs to CK, justified. This was arguably the hero of the tournament. Uh, gets less lifesteal from Chaos Strike, and Chaos Bolt's damage has been rescaled to be a lot worse, especially level 1. The fact that this spell dealt 90 to 180 damage level 1 was fucking crazy for a 1-point stun. Um, yeah, that's changed. So that's good. Uh, very curious about this next change. This is one of my favorite heroes, yeah. my most played hero ever. Uh, <laughs> Clockwork now does double damage to creeps with Battery Assault, which... Fits the theme of what they've been doing uh, the last few years. Everybody needs it to kill does. creeps, right? I, but you're biased now because this is your favorite hero. So how do you feel yeah. about that? I mean, I feel good because it's my favorite hero, but I wish this wasn't the way that this that the game was going in general. But mm. if this is the way the game has to go, Clockwork needs this, unfortunately. But I wish this wasn't how the game has to develop, that every hero needs to be able to farm creeps that fast. Or you know, It's been slowly but steadily... Every hero that had bad wave clear or bad ways of farming has slowly got ways of farming. And now Clockwork finally gets his love, which he hasn't had forever. And effectively has more or less not made this hero an attractive core pick in an eternity, right? Yeah. Um, this allows you to <clears throat> effectively push out waves. It allows you to farm jungle. 
when you hit level three or level five. During downtime as a support now, even roaming between lanes, you can actually just kill creep camps. Um, effectively speaking, a level two battery assault now does almost the same damage as a level four battery assault to the jungle. So if you remember how fast you can farm like the double Hellbear camp, for example, with the old level four battery assault, you can do that now as a level three clock. Just pretty interesting, both as a support and a core. So we'll see. I think this is a very big nerf uh, buff, actually. <laughs> very, very big. Sounds um, good. I would love to see more clock. But yeah, would uh, would love like like you just mentioned. I would love to not have power creep, but rather have a nerf overall, so that the heroes that don't farm as well are more interesting, rather than making everyone farm better. Um, Crystal Maiden. A bit of love on two spells, but she loses one base strength. I saw a post she now has less armor and health than a melee creep level one. So that's great. Good for her. Uh, <laughs> it's actually true. There's no way. Yeah, yeah she has fuck? one armor and 530 health or something. And a melee creep has, I think, two armor and 550 health. Oh, my God. So that's... that is uh, pretty funny. Uh... Yep. What can you do? Uh, well, she's not slower, see. at least, this time. Yeah, that's true. She didn't lose more move speed. That was almost impossible as well, wasn't it? Okay, where were we? So Darkseer, way more damage than level 1 Vacuum. This is actually a huge buff. Went from 40 to 100. I saw Fog tweet and about this, and he said it actually does well. 10 damage right now. Oh, well. <laughs> unfortunately, keyboards fail sometimes when you're coding and you forget to yeah. put in a zero. So big nerf to Darkseer. Vacuum does 10 damage. <laughs> I wonder if it does 150 on level 2, or if it does 15. If they have it factor 10 wrong everywhere, or just on level 1. That's uh, that's really funny. Yeah, get that fixed. Um, let's see what else is worth noting. Pretty big nerf to Dragon Knight. He was also one of the big picks of the tournament. Loses 3 agility, and Fireball loses 2 seconds duration and 100 AoE. That's a really big nerf, the AoE yeah, nerf. pretty big. Um, very meaningful, especially in fights. I think it still covers an entire creep wave, no problem, but in fights, it's way easier to get out of. Um, what else do we have that really matters? <laughs> Pretty big nerf to IO's overcharged level 1. I think that's worth mentioning. It loses half its power on level 1. So a lot of the IO pairings that were just dump string in lane, like IO Slardar, IO Ursa, you know, these heroes that just ramp up with every attack. Uh, way worse with early overcharge, but overcharge level 4 is actually marginally better on attack speed. I think this was a good nerf to the hero, so I like that. Coddle loses 15, 10, and 5 damage on Illuminate on level 1, 2, and 3, it's respectively. This means level 2 Illuminate does not kill range creeps, um, oh, which okay. matters quite a bit in the mid lane. Uh, for mid-coddle, this is primarily a nerf, but also side lane coddle will have to attack the range creep once to unlock illuminate kills on it. Um, most people are going to look at this change and be like, eh, whatever, what does that matter? It's almost nothing, but the higher the level of the game, the more something like this matters, because mid lane is a lot about securing range creeps. So, mm. Pretty meaningful nerf, but not like huge. I, I don't think there's any way for coddle to get spell amp, right? So that he can get this, because nulls don't give spell amp anymore since quite a while ago. You have to get, like, Kaya, or <clears throat> you have to get the neutral item. You have to get the Fairy's Trinket, too. But you wouldn't get that until minute 7, at which point your Illuminus is higher level. So, um, 
I want to talk about Life Stealer, unless there's a hero before that and you want to mention. Uh, I think Legion's worth mentioning. Okay. The cooldown of Moment of Courage actually goes down quite a bit in lane, so Legion is a stronger laner. It went from 2.3 to 1.9 on level 1, so another 0.4 second improvement. Um, and it's even better on level 4, where it's 0.7 instead of 0.8. And this stuff obviously matters quite a lot when you're dueling people with high attack speed, you do more damage. And your level 15 talent with overwhelming odds damage is now plus 100 damage per hero. This talent is starting to reach a point where, in specific kinds of teamfights, this spell just wrecks against some lineups, right? If you're playing against a lineup that has like two or three melee cores, and you can hit overwhelming odds on them, it's no joke. 100 damage per hero. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting sick. spell overall. I still think press the attack <clears throat> is what needs a rework, but she's... Yeah. Uh, Exciting to watch sometimes. Other times, very fucking boring. Mm -hmm. uh, Life Stealer got a much-needed buff, Cinderin. His feast yep. gets 0.2% more damage at all levels, which, am I mistaken that that is basically the 25 talent as well? What What is the 25 talent? It's 0.4, maybe? It's the 25 talent is one of the worst talents in the whole game. Yeah. What is it though? The 25 talent gives plus 1.2% feast lifesteal. 1.2. Okay. But it gives it without the damage. That's why it's oh, so bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. I mean, that, that talent needs to give feast damage and lifesteal, not just feast lifesteal to but be good. Like, sadly for lifesteal, literally it's not every changed. game, lifesteal takes the other talent. Zero exceptions at a high level. Just no exceptions ever. Yeah. The other talent is 1.5 second rage duration, which is insanely good. I mean, so, if they match the, the damage with the lifesteal, would that be a good talent? I think it would be worth taking sometimes against tanky lineups, right? 1.2% damage. So it's Let's say the enemy almost. heroes... If an enemy has a hero that has like 4k health, right? Then a 1.2 is another 50 damage and healing per hit against that target. That's, you know, that's kind of meaningful as a talent. But mm -hmm. as it is now, it's just, it's just a no-brainer every time. The By goal the way, for me with talent should always be that both talents seem valuable sometimes. I yeah, just never 100%. take the other one. Hopefully we see more life to I love this hero. I know most people don't give a shit about him, but he's my one of my favorite heroes for sure. This is a this is a kind of buff that will impact his win rate by one to two percent, that would be my guess. I think it's pretty meaningful. It's everything you do in the game, right? It's more it, you farm a bit faster, you lane a bit better, you kill a bit faster. It adds up. Um, <clears throat> what else do we have that is importante? Um, Marcy got some changes. I want to quickly mention Lion, just be not because this is hugely important, but like, when's the last time you remember Earth Spike being changed? Yeah, that's true. It gets another two hundred projectile speed. This is going to feel weird in the game. This is one of those spells that you feel like has been the same forever. Um. But is actually going to change in its speed now. I mean, were people missing this fucking spell? It's literally impossible to miss if you click the hero. So, I, the only thing I can think of is because of the. Is it the 25 talent that extends the range to like fucking ridiculous yeah. amounts? It kind of looks weird because yep. it's slow. Um, yeah, that's true. But that's. But I mean, a, you, if you wanted to fix it for that, you could have incorporated it in the talent, right? Yeah, exactly. You could have given it 800 Earth Spike range and speed. Which would yeah. be really fast. Like then the, it might be too good. So then it could be six hundred, four hundred, whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, Luna gets more damage on the beam. Bit it. 
maybe not the biggest amount, so maybe not the biggest deal. Uh, you mentioned Marcy. Yeah, we should talk about Marcy because she gets into CM. She gets less cooldown on ult by 10 seconds. Uh, and now Dispose throws 50 range shorter. Mm -hmm. So instead of 350, it throws 300. And then it fixed thrown enemies being able to cast spells for one frame before being stunned. What a weird bug. Yeah. Um, I don't remember encountering... Oh, wait, that was why you could BKB when you got disposed, right? That's what I... Yeah, that's the first thing I thought. You I haven't seen BKB that myself. before so. getting stunned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another big hero of the Major getting a me meaningful nerf here. Mars loses three base damage and 0.2 second stun duration on Spear on all levels. This is probably a 2% win rate reduction or something like that. Pretty pretty big. Night Soccer plus mono, 10 mana cost on Void also became a bigger pick toward the end of the tournament. So I still think this hero is going to be really, really valuable. Uh, we'll see. Uh, pretty big nerf to Pango. You want to go over this? This is your favorite hero? My boy. Yeah, roll up uh, only lasts for 2.75 seconds mm -hmm. instead of 4. Uh I feel like it's still good, though. I don't think this is going to change. It's still a good shard. People are still going to be buying this shard the same amount, but it definitely felt a little too good. It's an instant BKB, basically. And then Shield Crash got a little bit longer cooldown at all levels, which uh, I'm not going to lie, Cinderin. I have not uh, adopted the play style of every other Pango player <laughs> oh, with uh, Shield Crash you're being still max first. Swashbuckle. I do Swash and two and Lucky Shot before going to Shield Crash. Okay. But I play mid, and I still get Maelstrom. Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit what other people are doing, okay? Hey, that's fine. Diffusal is cheaper You don't now. have to win. I actually, as long as you're having fun. I, I dominate on this hero, okay? That's MKB good. third item. Nobody does it. Try it. It's good shit. It, it, it can be good. It can. I never go blink because um, it's too difficult. Go ahead. What do you, I, when I read this roll-up duration, I feel like this isn't just like some arbitrary number to just cut it. I feel like this is specifically being cut so that you can't blink after roll-up. Mm. If you, beforehand you could roll up to dodge spell abilities and then you could blink out, but now the roll-up lasts 2.75. So with good timing, you can still hit Pango with a spell after roll-up and not let him blink out. Or now it's not only attack. physical attacks. Yeah, yeah, you could always auto attack, but there would be like situations where you roll up against like a spell damage hero, right, or spell caster mm -hmm. that won't necessarily want to cast a spell or want to hit you at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, also, because then you knock Pango away, right? Now you have the choice to wait it out and then hit a spell, right? Um, so that's kind of meaningful. A big buff to PL, doppelganger in lane, way lower cooldown. Interesting. And the level 20 juxtaposed damage talent is increased by 5 to 8%. People are probably still almost only going to take the other one, though. They're buffing this to try to make it more appealing, but the 300 Phantom Rush cha uh, charge uh, or range talent is just insane. So probably still not going to see this very much. But it matters when you hit level 29, so there's that. Um, oh, Pudge, yeah. plus 3 base damage. Hell yeah. And Flesh Heap blocks... Scales quite a lot better. It goes from 5, 10, 15, 25, uh, 20 to 7, 14, 21, 28. So way, way better on that skill. Uh, this is just, you know, whenever a hero gets buffed in every position that it plays, it is very meaningful. This is a pretty substantial buff. I wish he would have got like one armor or that flesh heap would have given more strength. 
per kill. That's what I always loved about the hero was snowballing really hard. Mm. Um, like the old flesh heap, I think used to be something like what was it, one point five two, two point five three, and now it's one point one, one point four, one point seven two. So it scales way less still. But then he got this damage block component, which the problem is still the same. <clears throat> if you want to deal damage on this hero, you can't max that spell early. And if you max this spell early, that's when it would be impactful. So it's kind of awkward, right? Yeah. But at least the value point that you get for the strength is better. I mean, I, seven block instead of five. I still don't like the <laughs> flesh heap conceptually, this damage no. block. It, it feels like a band-aid. Uh, it, it feels like forced synergy, which I absolutely hate. It's like you're putting damage block on a hero that hurts itself. That's what makes him unique is that he hurts himself, right? Mm -hmm. I, I feel like maybe they ran out of ideas on how to make this hero good, but you could just give three regen on Flesh Heap and he'd be good again, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, who was complaining about him having regen on his passive to make him, like, decent at offlane? Like, why was that a bad thing? And yeah. same with hook speed. Like, why was the hook speed lowered after all those years? Who was complaining? Good Either question, way. Shannon. I love Pudge. I do as well. It's one of my favorite heroes. I mean, he's he's played I every think... game anyway. So make him okay, you know? I think like, with this buff, I'm actually going to give him a chance again. Because three damage in lane... I give him a chance lane, every time. I play him even if he's the worst hero in Dota. It doesn't matter. Three damage is, is pretty good on every roll, right? Um, but, yeah, I... I would have really liked something else than this on Flesh Heap. More scaling, one armor, and there's something that makes him better in lane, whatever it is. Like, can you see yourself <clears throat> ever maxing Flesh Heap before both other spells are maxed? Like, literally ever. No. When would you do that? No. Is no. there, like, a world where you go, like, 1-4-4 four, four if you're playing against Zoo? So that you can just run in with max rot on and high level flesh heap and not take damage from familiars, I not mean, take damage from wolves. They're buffing like, it to there... the point that they're saying only put one in meat hook. That's what they're trying to do, obviously. But... Yeah, but meat hook is the hero's funny spell. So why would you not want people to pick that one? That's because what makes Pudge fun, is hook. Why not just delete the hero like techies if you don't want to buff mm. him? If you don't want to make him good. You know, yeah. you, again, Han is dying soon, Cinderin. Devour is available <laughs> to copy. He's much more fun than Pudge. And actually good. Pugna was really annoying. Is this a good enough nerf? Another one of your favorites that you've been spamming? Hang on. How long does Fleshy Blast? Why doesn't it show that in game? What do you mean? How long does it last? Oh, the active? Yeah. It's not that long. Now, if you made it permanent, that would be something. Permanent right? as in... You don't need to activate Flesh Heap. It just gives you a damage block. Oh, well then, yeah, that would be good. It would have to be a lot less than this. I mean, that sounds like Kraken Shell to me, know. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's kind of like Kraken Shell. Which, when you say it out loud, this spell is kind of like Kraken Shell too. Just yeah. activate it, right? Yeah. It should probably do something else, like... Interact with your rot somehow. It does. Or, it blocks rot. <laughs> which yes. Is why it's offensively, synergy. you know, whatever it is. Very stupid. Well, yeah. what's his name? Uh, <clears throat> Jenkins, didn't he say this on the podcast? His original idea for Flesh Heap is you give up one of your stacks to throw a rot on the ground. I thought that was kind of yeah. cool. That was yeah. interesting. 
always a fan of sacrifice spells, as we've already talked about. Um, speaking of which, Pogna, a hero that does that all the time with life drain, um, gets some meaningful nerfs here. This was also a really big hero at the major, and I think the biggest change here and the most necessary one was less damage reduction on the nether ward, right? It goes from 10, 15, 20, 25 to 8, 12, 16, 20. Um, I also wanted Wraith Pact to lose 5% damage, which didn't happen, but at least the Pugna one did. Um, I think there's just a little... That, that was kind of the meta of the major, right, was damage reduction. People were picking Underlord and going Wraith Pact. People were picking Pugna and going Wraith Pact. Just effectively denying the enemy team the ability to play their heroes, which... I mean, it's fun for the winning team, right? But it's, it's not very... From my perspective, not very interesting gameplay to deny them just flat amounts of damage by putting totems on the ground. Yep. You put down a Wraith Pact, you put down a Nether Ward, and every spellcasting hero in the enemy team literally did health half damage. Well, the, the problem with the do. item, like we've already talked about it a lot, but the fact that the other team, the you just have to buy one yourself. That that means there's a problem yeah. with the item. Like BKB is like the exception. Every other item, like boots, I guess, boots, BKB, uh, pretty much every other item you don't have to buy, right? It's somewhat situational, but in pro games, you had to buy this item. Very stupid. Uh, what else do we get? A bit more hit damage on Shadow Poison, so Shadow Demon becomes a better laner and scales better as a potential core? Question mark? Tricks of the Trade, slightly less cooldown, so a bit of love to Ricky. Uh, Silencer loses strength growth for whatever reason. I have no idea why this is the case. Um, maybe you had high strength growth for an int hero, and then they're compensating for that by making slightly less mana cost and arcane curse. This hero isn't good, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like this is an overall nerf, and it did not deserve that whatsoever. So this one is really puzzling to me. Really uh, I like the Silencer at Valve. Someone does. I, I like the change to Slark a lot with Essence Shift. It's a bit better in lane, the first two levels. It lasts longer, so it went from 1530 to 2040. And then on level 4, instead of being 100 seconds, it's now 80. So you have less of that ridiculous duration later in the game where Slark just can just take over completely, which I get is part of the appeal for the hero. But I think his laning was his really major downfall, and now his laning is a bit better because when you hit enemy heroes, you get to keep the bonuses a bit longer. Uh, in lane. So I think this overall is a good way of uh, of solving part of the hero's problems. Um, so I like that one. And Techies gives less gold for breaking mines. More damage or more damage magic resistance reduction rather from the proximity mines as well. And the slow of sticky bomb increased by half a second. So three buffs to Techies. We'll see if he starts getting played in pro from this. God, why was Terrorblade buffed, man? I am so tired of seeing this here on NA Dota. Meta gives 30 damage level 1. I don't understand. 30! I don't understand. Why? Why was this? Why is this a thing? Now I have to watch fucking EG and all these NA teams <laughs> just play this literally every game. Such a boring hero, too. It, Effectively, it had a fun so what Terrorblade... Ags, but... Other than that, meh. What Terrorblade did before was that he would use meta level 1 to try to win the lane with 15 damage advantage on denies and last hits. Now he has 30. Like, 
This is pretty crazy. Um, okay, we'll see how much that does. Did we miss the patch notes where this is an <clears throat> ultimate now? Again? Yeah. I mean, I've always said Terrorblade has two ultis. This hero for me is one of my personal least favorite designs of the entire game. Uh, yeah, I agree. Because of meta plus Sunder. I, I get that it's unique and it's appealing in a way and it's... You could argue with my philosophy of, oh, it's nice to have spells that have a big backdraw, right? Like, or a downside. For Terrorblade, that downside is the long cooldown, um, which I find less interesting than, okay, there's an empowerment spell which then weakens you or does some sort of negative. This is just a flat-out positive spell that's just really strong and therefore needs to have a long cooldown. And then he also has an ult. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I I would like to see Terrorblade conceptually change still, but that's just my personal preference. Um, Venge gets plus two damage. I think that's worth mentioning. Every time there's like these base stat increments, it just affects every game the hero is played in. So slightly better in lane as both a support and a core. Warlock gets ten move speed. So another example of base stats. He gets stronger slow on upheaval, and he gets. Less cast range on ulti for some reason. Um, it's a nice even number, 1,000. I guess. I mean, are, there gonna, are, are heroes like uh, Omni, Warlock, other heroes, are they going to be more highly valued now that uh, salves can't be used on teammates? That is very possible that that will become a thing, that you play more healing supports. So Omni, Dazzle, Warlock, which, you know, I would welcome that. They've kind of been in the shadows of the lane-dominating supports for quite a while. So having healing supports be meaningful would be good. Um, hopefully it doesn't lead to this sort of meta where each team just has a healing support in the safe lane and there's no action. It's literally just mm. hit creeps, heal your carry. Like That's not what I want, but having it be viable and at least a path to strategizing a lane I think would be really good. So maybe. Maybe that will be a thing that teams start doing now because of the salve nerf. That's pretty much the patch for me. Can um, you explain the gale force being 10 less push speed? Uh, I is, don't know. It's this... a way for them to shout out Seb winning the major. Like, that's literally it. Uh, this is there a very... has to be some interaction where this 10 move speed mattered. I uh, don't know. Very strange. Okay, so nope. that is the patch. Uh, I guess we can give our reviews, and then we can talk about one small topic afterwards, which is the mm -hmm. battle pass. Sure. Uh, were you? What What are your overall thoughts? Because for me, everything before the patch notes, which is the gameplay update seven point three one D, very cool. Obviously, some of it mm -hmm. I don't care. Like the clip builder, I wouldn't use, but it's very cool to have. There's no negative. Immortal spell mm -hmm. effects, amazing. Uh, Weekend Spotlight has some really cool potential. I hope they continue to uh, experiment with that and hopefully add in custom games in the future. And the Battle Report yep. is a nice touch. Patch notes. You are right about the Copium last week, Cinderin. I thought they were mm -hmm. trying to meme it up, but it was just a D patch, and I am severely, severely disappointed uh, obviously happy that some of the stuff that was annoying, like Null Talisman, and I mean, it's not like these aren't good changes, but I, I'm hoping, and like Marcy being captain was going to spice it up a bit, but really want terrain changes. I want the map to change. I want second Roche. I want something weird, you know? 
Mm-hmm. But now that this has come out, it means there will not be a big, like that kind of an update before TI, which is sad because this feels like, mm. this feels like the same patch as TI still. I think there could be 732 before the major, but after DPC. Yes. I think there is a possibility. I I will. Okay. Tell me if you agree with this or not. I agree. There's Mm going to be another patch. It's Mm -hmm. not going to have terrain changes. You kidding me? I think it will. You think after the third season of DPC, they're going to have terrain changes. Yes. I think they want to change the terrain before TI, but that's just... That's just a, a guess. I, I don't know. For I fact, would love that, but... but that I think a lot of pro players would be quite upset. You just spent three entire seasons with the same map. You qualified for TI already, and the map is changing. If I was a pro player, I'd you be have really plenty of upset. time to prepare. What, like a month and a half? That's quite a lot of time in Dota. That is okay. a lot of time. Okay. Hey, um, my perspective, that's fine. You can change the day before the fucking TI. I don't give a shit. That's great. But mm-hmm. I, I just personally don't see it happening. For me, the sweet spot for teams to prepare a new patch before a major or before TI, I think they need to have two weeks plus. Two I think, weeks? I think two weeks is enough to justify putting it in before a major or TI. Uh, ideally a month, but if that's not possible, it's not possible because the scheduling is what it is. If they put in the next major patch after Arlington, if they do it immediately after Arlington, there's like two months until TI after Arlington. So absolutely enough time if they put it in immediately after. And I'm kind of, honestly, I'm kind of expecting 732 to have a couple of things. I'm flat out expecting it to have map changes. I'm flat out expecting it to have economy changes, which was again, not changed this patch. No change to passive gold, no real change to map economy with how much gold heroes get, no real change to power creep with neutral items, nothing really. a lot of people were also expecting or hoping for an item like Philosopher's Stone to be removed, which was not the case. So that is still in the game. Mm. Um, like, just passive ways of gaining gold. It's not that the win rate of these items are ridiculous, so it's like, oh, you got Philosopher's Stone, so your win rate is stupidly high. That has statistically not been the case, but just conceptually, the fact that you get passive gold from a neutral item, I think a lot of people don't like uh, and find to be out of place for the game. And it's just inflation. It's just inflation in the game. You're just adding gold for the sake of adding gold. Um, so I back to the patch. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, not this thing, but the the idea that they're going to put a big update. What is the point of having a DPC then? If you you spend the entire year on the same patch essentially, and then you just change it drastically before TI, like. Well, the, the point t- of having the DPC is to qualify teams based on merit. Yeah, but then you're changing the game inherently, right? If you're changing yeah, but the I map, think there's that's, a, that's there's a case to be made that the teams that throughout the season, even if there's no major map changes or major economy changes, the teams that do well throughout the year deserve to go to TI over teams that didn't, even if those teams might end up being better randomly on the TI patch so because how, of reasons. Right? So again, I'm... I'm just playing devil's advocate. There's still advocate. a qualifier. If you're really good on the TI patch, you could qualify. I'm playing devil's advocate here because, as you guys know, I would prefer there to be a patch right before because that mm-hmm. makes it more exciting for the viewer. But, again, as a if, if it was a team or a player, I would be very upset because I've spent the entire year on basically the same map. Like, a big update, it makes more sense, if you think about it, right after TI, and then you spend the rest of the year perfecting it 
by, you know, balancing, you sum up something fucking crazy after TI and you balance it over throughout the year. And that's what TI is played on. That from a competitive aspect, that mm -hmm. does make the most sense, right? So. And then you consistently have like major changes every year. And then you have smaller changes throughout the year. Like the, the, the thing that you're saying that they have enough time to prepare, and you're right. A lot of these teams, obviously, they're extremely good. And part of the allure of Dota is being able to adapt. But hmm. I think that what that would do, if you're coming out of the patch, even if it's two months, if you're changing it that drastically, like map change is a huge change. It, it makes TI less consistent, which, again, from the viewer perspective, is more fun. But teams that were like number one throughout the year, they're not necessarily going to be favored i don't think at all I, I i guess you could also make the argument that the teams that were number one throughout the year were number one through their ability of adapting every time there was a new patch right because yeah, every major have not been very different let's be real this whole year has not been very different they've right? been they've been different in terms of more micro stuff than macro stuff which is still adaption, right? But it's yes. different. That's correct. So, I mean, I see what you're saying, and I agree to an extent, but I don't think that outweighs the pros of putting in a more exciting and new patch, especially leading into releasing a battle pass, right? Mm. I just think it's just really good for the game on a casual level, and I don't think it's bad for the game on a pro level to put in a big patch two months before TI. And, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think that's happened plenty of times in the past, by the way. I think in general... In previous years, we've true? had patches that change the map or change economy or something two months before TI. That so, has definitely happened before. There's no way it hasn't. There right? hasn't been a real DPC, though, right? That's true. So, But instead, teams had merit based on an invite system from Valve that took into account how they performed during tournaments across the year, mm. which is effectively the same thing. Just now with a system that's transparent, yeah, so right? I'm trying Before to look at it from invites. a perspective like competitive integrity slash mm -hmm. like taking some things from traditional sports. And I'm not saying we need to copy right. traditional sports by any means, but it does. It would make more sense to have a huge ass patch after TI, perfect it throughout 100%. the year, right? But the biggest we, patch we of the year should that. always be after TI. But I don't think that but means we, that we can't have another big patch some other time. But that's in the, the year. thing is we didn't have that this year. Yeah. So that's why that's we why it feels it dry so is yes. because that patch wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so so okay. Uh, so yeah. Quickly yeah. Uh, recap. What did you think of everything in this patch? And then we'll have one uh, topic after. I think overall, some of the things that needed to address got addressed. I'm happy Marcy is in CM. I'm happy Wraith Pack got nerfed, but it didn't get nerfed in the right way, in my opinion. But still got nerfed. Uh, some of the outliers from the major got meaningful nerfs, like Chaos Knight and Dragon Knight. So that's good. Um, so yeah, I mean, most of the stuff in this patch, I think is good overall, uh, but sounding like a broken record here, I was hoping for more, which I have been for the last couple of patches, even though this is a D patch and I knew not to expect a lot. <laughs> I still had that voice in the back of my head that I was still hoping, okay, maybe we get some economy changes. Okay. Maybe we get some map changes, uh, neutral item changes, which are, you know, my big three every single time didn't happen. Um, which is a shame, but I'm expecting all three of those in 732. Uh, so hopefully before the before TI or before the major even, they'll be great. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the majority of stuff here is good, right? Um, so it's it's nice. It's it. This is what usually what D patches were, right? 
Like, yeah, from a historical standpoint, this isn't like a disappointing point XD patch because you know it's this is meant to be the round out of this version before we get the next big one. Did you say XD in which way? Dot XD. X is the number, not the emote XD. Yes. Seven okay, XD. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I see. <laughs> I didn't think about that. So, so as as a D patch, I mean, I think it's fine. Um, we were hoping for more, but I'm not disappointed necessarily because this was kind of what I was expecting, and then I was hopeful we would getting more. So this this meets my expectations for the most part. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's all right. All right. Let us change topics for the final topic of today, which is connected to this. And I am I an idiot? I couldn't find this actually posted anywhere other than Wickram's tweet. I'll just say Wickram know. tweeted this. <laughs> to capture this excitement from current and returning players, we're re- sorry, we're structuring the battle pass a little differently this year. We want to make the time right after the international concludes the best time to play Dota. To do this, we're going to adjust the timing of the Battle Pass release to be later in the year than in previous years. That way, the Battle Pass will run both throughout the event and for a significant amount of time afterwards. So, that is a huge change. Uh, This is, to my, I would say this is two months away, probably August is probably Mm -hmm. when the Battle Pass will come out. I I mean, if it's going to be in August, I would assume it comes right after... The major, uh, again, just a guess. That means you have two months of battle pass with another month or two following. Yep. Now the question is, well, it's too qu- well, kind of connected. The whole, where does the money go, and does it stop after TI? And if that's the case, okay. like, when do they? How does that work exactly? Because that changes the whole dynamic of how the battle passes work so far, Sindarin. Okay, let's get some really heavy copium ready, okay? What if the first half of the battle pass goes into TI and the second half of the battle pass goes into the next season? What if? (laughs) Now that would be fucking amazing, which is why it probably won't happen, but Mm. there is the possibility with this sort of structure... to me, like usually what TI Battle Pass, what did it expire like two weeks after TI, one week after TI? Like shortly after. Like it culminated at the finals, right? I th- um, well, that's true. If this is going to run substantially longer, we're probably talking at least a month. Wouldn't it just feel weird that people buying and interacting with the Battle Pass after that contribute to nothing? Right. Because when the, the first money, half contributes to the TI? The money has always stopped going towards the prize pool right when TI ended. That's always been yeah. like that. And I don't think that's going to change. I agree because it's weird. Like, let's say it's at 20 million when TI happens. You don't like, what are you advertising? Oh, they're going to win 20 yeah. million plus the next two months. So it is yeah. a bit of copium, but it's more that likely that Valve just keeps the second <laughs> for themselves, which is their choice, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it would be great if it was spread out. That would be such but a good way of improving the year. This Holy does shit. mean. Unless there's something absolutely unforeseen, this year will be less than last year, Sindarin. You have less time to build up the money. Maybe they're confident that they can come out with enough that you know they'll just mm-hmm. cramp it all in time. Uh, it's going to be a tall order to go over $40 million or whatever the hell we got to last year. Yeah, 
there's a but again it's been two years since a, a ti battle pass right what i will say about valve shannon you can say a lot of things both good and bad but something valve always knows how to do is make money okay True. they really know how to make money so I personally think that even if the battle pass has a month less leading into TI or two months, I still think they can break their record if they really want to and really implement stuff in a way that is super profitable. Mm. I do think so. But I will say from my perspective, I don't think it's important that it beats the record. I think that's an unnecessary pressure that the community puts on itself and that Valve puts on itself and on the community. I don't think it's important that TI is worth 40 mil. We've talked about this a hundred times now. Think if TI is worth 20 or 30 mil, that's still pretty fucking big. And it's still the biggest tournament of the year in esports, prize pool wise. We don't have to beat our own records. We can still be the biggest and the best. And then and put the rest of the, the battle rest. pass proceeds into the next season. Like, realistically speaking, the vast majority of money people dump on the battle pass does happen in the first two months, right? That's when people want to get the cool stuff. That's when they level up. That's when they reach their goals and get their arcanas, their personas, whatever the fuck, the treasures. So. If you consider how massive the diminishing returns are on the last half compared to the first, you're still going to get a really significant prize pool. But the remainder that would follow after will still be really meaningful going into the next year. I don't know how big a percentage of the prize pool increases in the last half compared to the first. If I were to guess, it would probably be somewhere, I don't know, what do you think? 15 to 25% of the increase maybe? Except when they put in these like... uh. They have like this unnatural inflation toward the end because they put in the discount bundle, right? Yeah, and, and but if they didn't do that, out, like they spread everything out on purpose, right? So it's it's usually a logarithmic curve, and then when the battle or when the discount comes out, the logarithm has a new logarithm on top of it, basically. So like realistically speaking, if you do do a discount bundle like that, it will look the same again, and probably you would end up if you put in. Let's imagine we had the same battle passes last year with the same payout and everything. You'd probably end up with a TI that's worth 30 mil and a next year that's worth 10 more, which would already be a great improvement if they did it like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm gigacopium on that. And I feel like if they don't do that, right, how does the community interact with that and what's their response going to be? If you effectively cut in half the time that you have to contribute to the price yeah. pool of TI... They won't be happy. Which, be and happy. then you, it goes to nothing afterwards. I think people will really not be happy about that yeah i agree so and uh, this very curious this is a really big thing and okay the most curious thing about all of this like you said it's from a wickram tweet but it's being presented like it wasn't the official blog somebody this feels like miscommunication internally where this was <laughs> removed from the blog but was posted by him really well me, it's not in the blog right let Am me I open something? this link it's not on the battle report page so there is a here, I'll link you. I'll put in the uh, spread or the the doc up here. So the battle. Oh, report, there is a news entry as well. There's a news entry for the update, but okay, uh, I missed it. All right. Let me see if there's anything. I didn't. Else I, I just thought there was only the battle pass page, but there is a news entry that and announces the update. Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't just put this, this at the top of uh, the yeah. massive page they made. Okay, so this basically, the this site just has the, there's a big patch, or there's a patch, go check it out. There's the full website, blah, 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 full update website. And then it says Vulcan performance improvements and upcoming plans with TI. 
Okay, so this wasn't just a this wasn't a blunder. It is there. Okay, my mistake. <laughs> it is out. But yeah, that that is going to be a very interesting storyline that we probably will have no insight into for the next couple months. Uh, yeah. Which, but very do curious. Do you agree that the battle pass will be delayed until after the major at this stage now? Uh probably somewhere around late July to mid August, which could be after the major or it could be right before it. Okay. I think one of the two. Yeah. Realistically speaking with this wording, we're probably at least a month and a half away. Yeah, for sure. I would agree. Okay. Uh, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, so yeah, definitely some cool stuff. Uh, sad about the gameplay related stuff though. Although the very least when we're casting uh it'll be slightly more interesting because of a lot of the stuff that we've kind of seen a lot of have been at least nerfed to some degree so there's going to be some shake up uh but no map changes makes it just it hurts me deep inside i need i need something fresh uh even if it's uh that second roshan idea cinder just a second pit it's empty and it alternates spawns and the first spawn is random between the two, okay? Mm -hmm. This means that you have to defend or you have to fight in different areas of the map instead of that same area at the top, right? I think that makes it so much more interesting. Obviously, you'd have to change a lot of how the map works, but... Yeah, that's the uh, thing. It's pretty major overhaul because of the major. architecture of everything around it, right? But, I mean, I agree conceptually. It sounds interesting. Um, for me personally, what I would like to see more in the map changes is mainly... Uh, warding spots and uh, just an overall shakeup of how people attack objectives, right? It just feels so figured out now. You take these towers in this way, you take them in this order, you ward this way in order to get those objectives, and then you go to the next. It's, it's a little bit... It's like a recipe at this point, basically. Which Yeah, and part of that... I, for I'm me, always in favor of Dota being a sandbox rather than a figured-out recipe, right? It's meant to yeah. be creative. Well, I mean, do. the reason I bring that up, it's it's more from, like, casting a lot. It, I don't say this during the cast because, you know, you don't want to say the game's over or whatever. You don't want to make things boring. You want to try to hype it up a bit. But it feels like it's very standardized when these, like, you can tell when they're going to go for Roche. When it's they pretty get deterministic. It. It, it feels like they're going to win when they get that second yeah. Roche still. Uh, it's like 90% probably. Like, you can basically guess the winner of the game at a certain stage of the game based on how it's being played, even if it's the same gold between the two, right? And I think a lot of that has to do with, like you said, the recipe being figured out, um, which I think the only way to really fix that is map changes. Uh, and economy changes would also do a lot. Sure. Because if the economy is different, then the flow of the entire game is different, right? If heroes have less gold, or if the gold is distributed differently among the team members, then all of a sudden, I mean, I all the timings you're used to hitting, all of the objectives you're used to doing yeah. will be different. It's just a totally different flow. So but. with the economy stuff, I mostly agree with you. I think I disagree now on the neutral items, which we won't get into because it's going to turn into the old cinder and rant. Uh, but hey, at least I rant about something. You always wanted that. That's true, actually. Why? That is something I've always wanted, and then when you did it, I'm not interested in hearing it anymore. Why is that? That's a that's kind of a weird one. 
You think you want it, but you don't. Yeah, I, I think it's because I'm very passionate, and you come off as, I don't know, it's a little <laughs> different, and you repeat the same thing over and over for two years now with neutral items. You know, when you do it, it's passionate. When I do it, it's annoying. Oh, Got it. Okay. I scream really yeah. loud, so it's funny. It's like an old man oh. just screaming at the kids on his lawn. Get off my fucking lawn. I can uh, try to be more angry next time if that helps. Yeah, can you can you do that? I'd really mm. appreciate that. That would be great. Okay, uh, that brings us to the end of the episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed the patch. Let us know in the comments what you think. Uh, until next time, Suns fan and Cinderin signing out. Until next week, goodbye. Bye. We say things that don't mean anything. Subscribe. But